Welcome, Left Coasters, to the Super Bowl edition, the big stinking Super Bowl edition of the Left Coasters podcast. As always, my name is Tony Cavallo. I'm with Brian the Ballerina Balzarini. I'm with Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, and we are here with guests calling in and coming in, breaking down Super Bowl 51, the Patriots versus Atlanta in Houston, Texas. Notice I said the Patriots versus Atlanta, not the Patriots versus the Green Bay Packers, because it took me a week, fellas, but I have wiped away the tears that streamed from my eyes during that NFC Championship game where Dangles was a witness to me walking out of the party that I was at because I could not stand to see any more of that devastation. Yeah, it was pretty rough. And that's why we needed an extra week. Ah, we, had was, one more, we had one more uh, episode scheduled, but we needed to give you some time to, to pull your stuff together. I could not do it. So instead, we're coming at you with a big, stinking Super Bowl spectacular, and we're sitting here right now. We're going to be breaking down the game at the end of the show, the three of us. First, we're going to do a little, uh, put a button on the season heading forward to the Chargers and the Rams, because this is also the end of our weekly podcast schedule until next season comes up. We'll be coming at you spar- uh, sporadically throughout the offseason with some fun draft and some fun random uh, podcasts that we've been thinking up. And we're going to kick ass with the branding of uh, the Left Coasters moving forward. That's our focus for the next year, and we're really excited to bring you. And by this time next year, it's going to be a lot of fun to do this podcast. Not that it hasn't been fun this year, but we're ready to uh, hit the ground running. But as I said, we have the Super Bowl coming up, guys. I'm very excited to do it. I don't know exactly where I'm watching the Super Bowl this year, which is the first time in a while I'm not hosting a Super Bowl party, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get there, we have six playoff losers that did not quite make the Super Bowl, as we know. These six playoff losers we have not written any type of swan song for, so with it being the last uh, Left Coasters podcast of the 2016 season, I thought we could bring back our favorite question, Marry, Fuck, Kill. The best. So, yeah, it's the best. The best. It's my favorite question that we've done. We're gonna. I, I love. I love throwing it in a football talk. It's really a lot of fun. So, Dangles, I'm gonna give you AFC teams. Brian, I'm gonna give you NFC teams. We have six losers from the playoffs, and you're gonna tell me, marry, fuck, kill, going into the next season, because we always have one of these playoff teams that makes a far run, and then next season doesn't make the playoffs at all. This year, the two Super Bowl players, Carolina and Denver, didn't make the playoffs at all. So. If you're killing this team, that means they're not making the playoffs. Marrying is a guarantee. Fucking is. You're thinking about it. So we'll start off with the AFC diggity dangles. I give you the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Heading into 2017, marry, fuck, kill those guys. Well, uh, I think I'm going to start by marrying the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they have everything to gain in that division. There was no performance uh, in their division this year that really wowed me to the point that I'm going, mm, they might not They might not have that division on lockdown next year. The Bengals may be, may be uh, strong again next year with a healthy A.J. Green, and if they can get their running backs to be healthy again, they could return to a form that we are expecting or the form that we expect to see them playing at in the AFC North. But with Mike Tomlin as coach, uh, no major changes that I can see coming to to that. They're still going to have Le'Veon Bell. They're still going to have Antonio Brown. And they're, those two people are arguably the two best players at their position in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to marry the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I'm going to fuck the Kansas City Chiefs just because I think there's a little bit more uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball with Kansas City, uh, with Alex Smith being, you know, Alex Smith. And he's just not, he's not a prolific scoring quarterback. Yes, they won this year. Yes, they were able to make it to the playoffs. And yes, he did what he had to do when he needed to do it. 
But um, I think with some of the weapons that they have on that team, they they need a quarterback that can be able to to go deep, to make explosive plays. And I'm just not sure that that's Alex Smith. Uh, and and then you know there's always the Andy Reid school of clock management with to uh, to you know temper your expectations. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, fucking the Kansas City Chiefs, which leaves the Houston Texans. And I just I mean their defense aside, very very good with JJ Watt healthy again. Um, assuming that he plays uh, and continues to play at the level that he has in the past. I've read some articles suggesting that he may not ever return to the form that, you know, we're, we, we've come to know him for. Uh, but I'm going to, I think, I think that just the quarterback uncertainty in Houston is too much right now. And you, even with a mediocre quarterback, it showed this year how, how much they were struggling because DeAndre Hopkins didn't have a great year. Will Fuller didn't have a great year. Uh, I just don't see a lot of promise on that team offensively. So I, I think I'm going to be killing them, even in the division that they're in. See, I, I, I cannot kill them. I, I would marry the Houston Texans because of how good that defense is and because of the weapons that they have. All they need is that final missing piece, and it's the most important piece of a football team, and that's the quarterback. They're playing, paying Brock Osweiler way too much money to play as crappy as he does, but that doesn't mean they're not a Tony Romo away from being a 10-win team in the AFC because that division stinks. And uh, that division, Indy's still floating around because now Indy needs a GM because they fired Mr. Deflategate himself, Ryan Grigson. So now they're looking for a new GM to run that team. I like Houston a lot, but I agree with your other two points on the other two teams. Brian, you have anything to say about the AFC? I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you on Houston. Okay. Uh, I think Houston is uh, facing uh, a better Tennessee Titans team, and they're still going to have right. Andrew Luck. You're so right. there, there are a couple teams in that league I'm a little scared of, and I think Doug Marone is going to turn that Jaguars team around. So Oof. they're not going to have that that illustrious in conference or in divisional record that they've had in the last year. Dangles, how much money are we going to lose next year betting on the Jaguars? Oh, so much money. So much money. So much money. But so at least money. until week three when we realize that the hopes that we have for them being good are just the same as every year and then they'll be dashed they're and we'll still... start we'll start making smart smart bets on like the Cowboys or the Packers. <laughs> they're still the Jaguars. Osweiler gets thirty seven million dollars guaranteed, by the way. Oh my god. Okay. So I mean he's not you can't anyway, you can't cut him. There's too much money on the floor, but he, there's no chance he's starting next season. There's no chance. Anyway, Brian, moving on. To you, the NFC three playoff teams that lost. We have my Green Bay Packers. We have the young, rising Dallas Cowboys. And we have the team that might be falling off a cliff, Seattle Seahawks. Marry, fuck, kill. I am going to marry the Seattle Seahawks. You're an idiot, but okay. Not an idiot at all. Uh, For the second straight year, they will have an easy, easy schedule. Uh, They will not be facing any top-flight quarterbacks when they face the NFC East and the AFC South. They might have, obviously, some... some, The the NFC East might have been the best division in football this year. But it won't... I don't think it'll be the best next year, but they're not facing Tom Brady. Yes. They're not facing those teams. Uh, They're also $28 million uh, uh, under the cap. So they will actually have a lot of lot of cash inflow to pick up some big, and they're not big free agent. Uh, not usually. No. They're not a splash free agent. But they team, will go get Jimmy Graham. But they will get that one player that'll be the piece. Yep. So I think they're set, and I think the NFC West is not a very strong division at the moment. So that's who I'm uh, marrying. Um, I am fucking the Green Bay Packers. Mm. The Green Bay Packers once again find themselves with a, a bunch of cap room, thirty million dollars. Uh, now they have to lock up T.J. Lang, Eddie Lacy, M- Mika Hyde, Nick Perry, uh, and they have to do something with Julius Peppers. Mm-hmm. But they're also in a division with the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions, who have a lot of lot of pieces they have to put together in order to catch up to the Packers. I can't um, believe you're about to kill the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm killing the Dallas Cowboys. Why? 
they are 30, let me give you this straight, $19.1 million over the cap right now. Mm-hmm. And with their practice squad, $23 million. Mm-hmm. And their biggest issue is defense. Now, they're not going to they're gonna be able to find cap room, but they're going to have to do something with their defense. Um, they're going to get hit hard with uh, the loss of possibly Brandon Carr, Morris Claiborne, and safeties Baron Church, uh, Barry Church and J.J. Wilcox. They're all uh, free agents. Tony Romo is not on that team next year. And not on that team next year, no. So that's a huge cap hit taken away. Sure, but at the same time, uh, they get hit again with a hard schedule in 2017. That also yeah, puts do. a lot of question marks for them on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Zeke and Dak aside, like if all of those players that he just named and they're all defensive players are questionably returning to the team, that just that makes Here's me wonder thing, who's going to be on the opposite side and of Tony the football Romo for them o- next year. And Tony Romo's only, if, he, if they get rid of him at, at June 1st, not trade him, yeah. let him go. That's the biggest cap space they can do for themselves. It's fourteen million dollars. Yeah, and you said how many? It's a lot. Over twenty-three. The they'll be over squad? twenty-three. So that's seven million issues. But they you can't have to get. Cut. But they can't get Brandon Carr, Morris Claiborne, Church, and Wilcox. No, they can't get all of them. Without, they can get with, some of them. Without Wade Phillips. Correct. Also, yes, but they can get some of them. And, and they have to and, re-sign Terrence Williams. And getting rid Terrence Williams is a chump. Get rid of Terrence. Terrence Williams has no chance on the Dallas Cowboys next year unless he's playing for the veteran minimum. Okay. But you just said that that was a great, uh, a great division. Great division. I think that team is set up for success because of what they're built around that offensive line with Zeke and with Dak. That team can beat anyone put in front of them on the defensive, on the offensive side. On defense, it's going to be troubling. Yes, but getting rid of Tony Romo and getting anything for return is huge. And you know who comes back for Dallas next year, and I think is going to be an amazing player. Jason is Jalon Smith oh. from Notre Dame. Hmm. He was dressed, but should have gone top five last year until he blew out his knee in a bowl game and had down to nerve damage in the knee. He had a red shirt year this year, essentially. He has been practicing, he can play, and he will hopefully be, I always want these guys to come back to full health, at full optimal health. And he is the playmaker that 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 that, that Dallas defense desperately needs. So they're going to lose pieces, yes. But do you think they're going to go 10-0 and in their division again? You can't. You can only go eight and zero. But no, oh, I'm I don't. Sorry. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think you can. But outside the division, excuse me. Uh, no, I don't think you can. But um, I think you're absolutely marrying Dallas because of the young offensive line and the young offense that show that they can play. I'm worried about the sophomore slumps, but I think they're going to strive through. I think you have to fuck uh, Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. If he turns it on, he turns it on. But I'm so angry about this Green Bay team. They're still the team that started four and six. They still are. And I'm killing the, uh, what was the other team? Seattle. Seattle. I think Seattle's, uh, 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 the house is burning down in Seattle. I just see them fighting each other all the time. I don't think that's a way to sustain success. I see the stuff coming out that uh, Rich Sherman was injured the whole year and they weren't reporting it. And now they're going to get docked a draft penalty. Like that stuff, it's just the little things build up. You know what I mean? Eventually that Atlas is going to fall. But hey, we got until 2017 to figure that out. We do. Another team, another set of teams we need to figure out is as the left coasters, we are here to talk about L.A. football. Now we have two teams to talk about, the Rams and the Chargers, and they both have huge, huge questions heading into next year. And the first one I will ask you guys is, we have two running backs here. One was Rookie of the Year in Todd Gurley. The other one came on this year and has had a, had a tough injury at the end of the year, but was a stellar running back this year in Melvin Gordon. Who are the real Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon? Because they both had two completely different years. Todd Gurley came out on fire rookie year, had a terrible second year. Melvin Gordon had a really crappy rookie year, was looked at as a bust, and came back this year with his head on fire. So, guys, I'm looking at you. Who are the real co- Who are the real running backs? Well, the question, first of all, comes to mind, which, what, what allowed Melvin Gordon to turn it up and what allowed... Todd Gurley to, to die. To die. Yeah. So what were the factors? And I think when I look at Todd Gurley, I look at a guy whose offensive line 
is not great. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Terrible, mm-hmm. in it's fact. It's really bad. And they do, and he does not get a lot of support out of the quarterback position right yeah, now. Yeah. So the question is, do you think that those supporting pieces, the offensive line and the and the uh, the passing game, are going to complement Todd Gurley? Mm-hmm. And the question I have to ask is, well, who are they going to put on their team to improve that? Yeah. And they don't have draft picks. They're not. They don't have a lot of cap room, but they they have a new head coach. Yeah. So you're hoping the scheme gets better, but I don't I don't have as much faith in that as I do in having Philip Rivers for Melvin Gordon and having a decent decent offensive line and a first round draft pick to boot. Gotcha. So you both think they're more like the second year than they are the rookie year? Very much so. Okay. Dangles, anything I, to say? I think they're both I think they're both elite level running backs. Okay. I think they will be. And I think they're I think they're both at that level. Um, I agree with Brian on the uh, Todd Gurley side of things that he has a terrible offensive line. He's getting no help from the quarterback position. And when it's all on your shoulders on the offensive side of the ball or supposed to be on your shoulders on the offensive side of the ball, it's pretty easy for ga- teams to game plan against you and for you to get inside your own. Where how do I find a hole no matter what I do, no matter how slowly I I take the play and I can't seem to get through the line without just getting tripped up and it's a two and three yard gain which is what we saw of him all year long and it is going to be difficult because they don't really have any draft picks to sort of to shore things up they need to get somebody else to take the pressure off of him on offense I think they need to add a wide receiver or a tight end or someone another threat on offense who can take some of the defensive pressure away because otherwise they can just load the box heavy against Todd Gurley and he's not going to be able to get out and, and break into open space where he really makes people miss. And as for Melvin Gordon, I think we're, we should expect to see him be more like he was this year. He has a decent offensive line in front of him. He's got good wide receivers on his team to take pressure off of him. Travis Benjamin, uh, that kid um, Williams, what's his name? Or, um, I'm sorry, Terrell. Ta- in, uh, ta- uh, uh, Terrell Williams, Terrell Williams yeah. and then um, Dontrell Inman. Yes. They have a really, really solid young core of wide receivers in San Diego with a very good quarterback, assuming he comes back to the team. And with a healthy Keenan Allen, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with that's, that's in that, my, in that uh, division, I think. That's my next question right there, leading to just the Chargers. And before I get there, though, Dangles, I'm so happy with your name pulls right there. Because you've been iffy on some name pronunciations, but you knocked it out of the park on that one. Great job, Kudos. Guy. I did well. Kudos, well, and, you know, and, and I mean, they, I, and I, love, I like the way the Chargers are looking, not only for that, but because they have a solid secondary. Casey Hayward, former Packer, uh, led the NFL in interceptions this year. Why in the world they let him go, I have no hurts. idea. But, but And Melvin Ingram is... Is one God of the one it. of the better up and coming young middle linebackers, or uh, I'm sorry, you know, linebackers just in general in the league. So I, I'm sorry. I mean, it, 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 it is. I the had to case, watch but... Darius Gunter try to cover Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, and Julio Jones in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Casey Hayward's basking in the San Diego sun, having led the league in interceptions, and we let him walk. Anyway, moving on. So Dangles, you brought up Phil Rivers, you brought up Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen did not play most of this year because of a terrible injury. The second time he's missed a large portion of the season due to injury. Philip Rivers is not getting any younger, and he is terribly angry that he left, had to move out of San Diego and play for L.A. Who do we get next year out of Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen, you guys? What do we have to say? I don't have any reason to doubt Philip Rivers. I mean, Philip Rivers' production comes and goes, but he is one of the most accurate quarterbacks, as an evidence of what he did in the Pro Bowl this week. Um, his, 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 
his accuracy is never in question. And I think with uh, a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive coach, um, there obviously will be question marks at how those guys play in the roles. But there are pieces there for Philip Rivers to ha- to have success, and uh, and having again having Melvin Gordon in a decent offensive line is going to do some. So I, I don't have any doubt that Philip Rivers is going to do what Philip Rivers does best, and that's make life hell for the other co- opponents in their division. And he's never out of it. He's never out of it. I don't, again, I don't think I've ever seen him. I don't like Philip Rivers as much. Uh, he's probably I've been very critical of him as 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 uh, he deserves a bit of criticism for not being that closer. But I don't have doubt that he'll continue to do well. Mm-hmm. He'll be a Pro Bowl ca- uh, caliber quarterback till he's done in this league. Dangles. Yeah, um, I I think he, I mean he's going to play. He's he is a consummate professional. He has been throughout his entire career. Um, he was kind of you know even from the very get go, he's kind of been a second banana, if you will. I mean, let's be real. The trade that sent him to San Diego wasn't about him. It was all about Eli. Yeah. It was all about Eli yes. Manning. He was just a footnote in that story. When you look back, and I don't say that to criticize him. I simply I simply say that to say that he has been in you know sort of the shadow his entire career and I think he likes it that way he's in third place of that draft from Eli and Big Ben he's an incredibly accurate quarterback as Brian said he's got weapons on offense um, and I think even though he's mad about the move he's loyal to the Chargers organization yeah and everybody else is coming with them by and large I mean he's must have developed a relationship with Dean Spanos at this point this is his team yes Philip Rivers is in charge of the much the way that LeBron James is in charge of the Cavaliers really Philip Rivers runs the Chargers that's and- that's the way it and I don't necessarily buy into this idea that he doesn't like. I mean, I I understand that he's made comments that he prefers San Diego and mm-hmm. has, and it has made a home there. Mm-hmm. But since moving to Los Angeles, he has made all he has said all the right things. Yes, he he's, has, he's he, good that way. He, I, you said he's a consummate professional, but I I don't think he's disingenuous. No. I think he wears his heart on his sleeve as he does on the field. But he's been very outspoken that he's he's happy to be here. That he's looking forward to to, to success and and continue to move this organiz- organization forward. Well, and and you know, and you asked about Keenan Allen too. I mean. Look, we we know what he can do. You know, we've se- we've seen the kind of production that he can put up when he and Philip Rivers gives me no reason to believe that he's not going to be as productive as he has been. He could dial back the interceptions a little bit, but you know, could never NFL quarterback. Hmm. Um, maybe with the exception of Tom Brady, but. Uh, He's going to be, I mean, if, if Keenan Allen can stay healthy, that's just it. He's got to stay healthy. And if this is, or or he has to, he ha, they have to make a, a decision to move past him and say, if this is going to continue to be a recurring injury, then, you know, yeah, we need to, to move on else. and pick another and pick someone else in the draft. You know, let's spend our first round draft pick on another wide. And I don't know if they necessarily even need to do that, but, you know, I mean, let, the, let's let's move on and clear up some cap space so we can pick someone else that we need. Philip Rivers has shown that he is one of those quarterbacks that makes wide receivers out of nobodies. He literally makes them out of, he, he crafts them out of thin air. Malcolm Floyd, all these wide receivers just makes them out of nobody. Tom Brady-esque. So, let's move on to now the Rams. Before we move on, we're going to do one of the sporadic uh, podcasts we're going to do in the offseason is a free agency one, but let's uh, do a little preview of that right now. The Rams, to me, I think the biggest thing they need to do is they need to find Jared Goff a weapon. We can talk about how long the leash Jared Goff has next year, but the fact of the matter is, guys, you spend so much money on him to get him in that number one position. He is your quarterback. You need to get him help. Todd Gurley could be a great running back. He does he need, and who do you think they go out and get as a weapon for Jared Goff? So I'll tell you, I have mine. And it has to do with where the head coach just came from, Washington. Deshaun Jackson is a free agent yes. this year. And Deshaun Jackson, love him or hate him, I don't know I don't know if he's a... 
I have no idea what he is in the locker room, but I know he is a producer on the field. He almost averages 1,000 yards a season in his many seasons in the NFL, and he is exactly what this team needs and exactly what Tavon Austin is not, and that's a reliable, speedy, deep threat. He only does one thing, but he does it better than almost anyone else in the league, and if Jared Goff can take the top off a of defense, stuff I've been talking about since the middle of the season, you send Deshaun Jackson deep, This Sean McVay can uh, navigate a play around to get Deshaun open. I think DJX is a is a solid pick to get in Los Angeles. I like that a lot, but the problem that I have is they they need to be smart about where they put their money. And Tavon Austin is taking up a lot of money. A lot of money. So if you're saying that those two guys are going to be competing for the same position esque, uh, same skill set, then you're going to run into that problem. The yeah. person that I'm looking towards that mm. I think in free agency could make a big difference, and that's Elshon Jeffrey. Oh yeah, Elshon Jeffrey that's is right. is going to be available. I think he complements uh, uh, Tavon Austin really really well and gives. Jared Goff, that big body, yeah, who he can just throw his back shoulder or lead a little bit further, and make those big, those big catches, and I think that's going to be the position that they terribly, terribly need help at right mm-hmm. now is that possession receiver. And also making a splash in free agency. I know no team wins on Sunday by winning in the off season, winning the headlines, but this L.A. Rams team needs to beat up the Chargers in these headlines in L.A. And making a splashy free agency signing might be the way to do it. Dangles, do you have anybody? Um, I would. I was gonna say, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is definitely like I think who they should be targeting. Like that's who I would be targeting if I'm if I'm less need. Um, but Doug Baldwin's also gonna be a free agent this this off season, so he would be somebody. He is a he is a weapon. He's constantly been a top receiver uh, for uh, uh, Russell Wilson uh, since he's come into the league, and he was an undrafted free agent. Uh, or rather, he was or he was an undrafted free agent. I I do want to correct earlier. I said I was when I was talking about the Steelers and Mary Fuck Kill. Apparently, Lady. Le'Veon Bell's supposed to be a free agent this year too. That'll be fine. So They'll sign I him. know I oh, said no doubt. I know I said franchise tag. I know I said that I, uh, I I didn't have any reason to believe that the offense wouldn't still be there, but who knows? But I mean, look, Pittsburgh has to shell out for him. That's another story. I can't see, and it was, Los Angeles isn't going to go out for him. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Doug. I Baldwin. like the Alshon one, Brad. Maybe That's a good with one. maybe and Kamar Aiken from the Baltimore Ravens is also on the market. He's a, a largely be unknown. Cheaper. He would be much cheaper, and he's a big big, tall guy who yep. can go up and catch passes. Yep. Um, so if Alshon decides to go, go with a team that ha- maybe has more, uh, say, a uh, chance of winning, <laughs> okay. you know, he might be somebody to look at. Gary Klein of the LA Times actually just interviewed Les Snead on that question uh, this week. And his response to the question of fans want a home hit, a home run hitter, who, uh, they want a legitimate number one, given your cap space, uh, what's the decision looking like? And he says, quote, this is the year because we do think, quote, hey, our young team's at a point where we're signing people and they're into their veteran phase of life, end quote. Now you sprinkle in veterans and it doesn't have to be a huge splash, but it might be two players for one that help. If you're talking about receivers in the passing game, one's great, but maybe two actually help it better. Okay, so we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Free agency in the NFL is one of my best months of the year. So before we put a full button on this 2016 season for the Rams and Chargers, guys, I'm going to ask you right now to give me a way too early win-loss record prediction for both the Chargers and the Rams. Bry guy. Uh, let's go with uh, Chargers. I think we're going to go nine and seven. Wow, okay. nine and seven. That's huge. That's a. I think it's. I think it's very possible with 
Oakland rising the ranks, Denver kind of taking a slouch back. I think they've already kind of experienced some problems. Uh, along with KC, I think KC is kind of that team that is very good, but unfortunately showed some weaknesses, mm. uh, and they need some questions answered at the quarterback position, quite frankly. And the Rams? And the Rams, I'm going to probably go another 4-12 four and, four and 12 season. Wow. Dude, wow. young quarterback, new head coach, mm-hmm. young head coach, mm-hmm. new defensive coordinator, and Will, Wade Phillips, who's switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Yep, yep, they don't yep. have the personnel. Uh, and and they're also facing a, a uphill battle against the Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to continue to be a rebuilding year for the L.A. Rams. Okay, Dangles. Well, I'm just taking a look at some of these schedules here and trying to get a sense of what we're uh, what we're looking at next season. Do you want me to run through them real quick? Who, Please. Who we're, I, I, we're playing I, here. Yes. So next year, uh, at home, outside of their division, the Chargers play the Bills, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Redskins. And then on the road, uh, outside of the division, they will play the Cowboys, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Patriots. That's a tough that away schedule. That is a schedule. tough away schedule for them. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with eight and eight for the Chargers, and I think that's I think that w- is is shooting high. I think that's that that would be high hopes. I think they are the funnest six and ten team next year. <laughs> that may very well be. And then as for the Rams at home, they play um, outside of the division: Philadelphia, Washington, Houston, Indianapolis, New Orleans. And then in uh, away outside of the division, uh, the Rams play Dallas, the Giants, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Minnesota. Wow, I no. was I was ready to sit here and say nine and seven for the Rams, but after that schedule, no. that's tough. That's no. tough. I don't think they're going to be four and twelve, but I don't think they're going to be. Anywhere close. If they're seven and nine, I'm happy. Oh, good luck with that. I think uh, yeah. I think five and eleven good would luck be a with nice that. shot for wow. them. Unfortunately, That's for, so for Sean because the McVay. one thing about your, so tough. the one thing about the Chargers' home schedule, those are all extremely winnable games. Yeah, when you're way. talking about the Browns and yes, the Bills, yes, you're right. That, like, you're right. They also have their in division opponents at home. You have to remember that. They but play yeah, those those out of division ones, those are tough. but they're out of division ones. But they still play what the Dolphins and a couple and the Jets. Yeah. I, I I I think if they can if they can walk out of that that uh, outer division away games with like a two and three record or you know maybe one and four and pull off a really clean home home yep. field advantage at. You know, at StubHub Stadium, there. I can't wait to go to one. Of those I, games. I think they've got themselves a position to be nine and seven. Okay, that's it for our 2016 breakdown of the teams that lost in the playoffs and the Rams and the Chargers. We will look forward to them as we move forward in the 2017 season. But now, guys, we're here for the big one, the big one itself: the New England Patriots versus the Atlanta Falcons at Houston Stadium. Uh, not Houston Stadium, whatever it is, Energy, NRG Stadium. Stadium in Houston, Texas. We're ready to break it down, but first we have two very special guests coming in. One is our favorite of the podcast. The other one is a first-time, first-time caller, a man that I've known all of my life. We'll see you soon, Left Coasters, and as always, ram it. And welcome, everyone, back to the Left Coasters podcast. As we said before, this is going to be our guest section, and for the first time, in this Left Coasters studio, this wonderful, beautiful Left Coasters studio, we have our first ever call-in guest. And a way to christen it, the only way I know how, is to have my father, Tony Sr., call in. Lifelong Patriots fan, Tony Sr. is on the phone. How you doing, Dad? I am doing great. It is my absolute pleasure to be uh, your guest, period, let alone your first guest. Oh, I'm very happy. Well, the first call-in guest, because we can't fly out here because you're a little bit afraid of flying. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's correct. What you do love, though, is you do love the Patriots, and uh, you have had season tickets. It were your grandfather, your your father's tickets, correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. That would be your grandfather. Uh, 1969 was the first year that we had official uh, season tickets um, uh, supporting the Patriots, and that's uh, what, about 47 years. Uh, it's been a long time. Where exactly in the stadium do you sit when you go for these these seats? I mean, Don, Tony's mentioned him before, but I, I want to hear the description from from the man who goes every day or every well, week. If, you, if someone was uh, to say, "Listen, you can have the pick of the house. Just walk in that stadium and go find the best seat, seats you think you can and find." And most likely, you'll be sitting in my seats. They, uh, <laughs> That's they awesome. Twenty five <laughs> rows up, right on the fifty yard line. There, obviously, the fifty is 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 we know what that you're allowed to see there. But the 25 rows gives gives you enough of an elevation that you can really see um, uh, every position, every player, and it's a and it's a perfect perfect location, perfect distance from the field, and they are the seats are great. The reason why I wanted my dad to call in is because I call him almost every week to break down football, and he's the man that taught me the game and taught me the way to look at it and sees plays and sees players in a way that only a specific mindset sees. He's not just there to watch the flash. He really sees the game. So, Dad, as we sit here now, Tom Brady is hitting his seventh Super Bowl. The Patriots are hitting their ninth. You have to be a very happy fan because they were in rubble for a while before the, the, the turn of the century, but now they're here in Super Bowl number seven. How excited are you to see them in this game? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's 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 been a blessing. I mean, in, in a blessing when you when you you know talking about it's it's a family thing. You know, when you do this with your family for such a long time, and and you know you you know you said the years you know early years of the Patriots. You know, we, we were like the Saints. There were people going to the games with bags over their heads, and <laughs> we were more or less the joke of the of of Boston. And Boston, you know, we got a proud tradition in our sports world, and and the Patriots were kind of like a joke. And 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 both the Sullivans and even Bob Kraft when we started to work in Boston. Boston to uh, put the stadium in Boston. They were like, no, no, you know, they kind of beat it, you know. Yeah. And that's why we ended up in Foxborough a couple of times. So, I mean, since Bob Kraft took over in, you know, 1994, um, it's been a, a tremendous. Uh, I mean, 18 out of those uh, times, every 18 years, they were in the playoffs, and we, and we got 40, 40 games of, of uh, which is first in the in the NFL, the history of the NFL, where we have 40 games in the playoffs, and obviously Tony, uh, as an owner, you're. Your Packers are they uh, the second? They're in second place. The uh, Packers stakeholders. So you got Bob Kraft number one and Tony Cavallo part number two. <laughs> I'll take but that. It has, been, it, it has been a blessing. And um, again, like I said, you know, uh, my father's uh, my father has been passed for a bunch of years ago. So he hasn't been able to see this 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 change in how the Patriots are looked at around the uh, around the world. Um, uh, but I I know upstairs he's watching over this, and that that that's the really the the real feel good feeling that I get by our success I wanted I wanted to sort of follow up on that I sort of and you talked about how the Patriots are seen around the world and I, I have heard people describe the Patriots before as the Yankees of the NFL and as a Red Sox fan and, and, and native New Englander that that really really hurts my heart um, and so I, I mean the, the evolution of the Patriots sort of the way the people view them around the league has been so I guess you either you either you're either rooting for you know your team you know it's like you know I root for my team and whoever beats the Patriots you know they they've kind of gotten almost the you know this this social or the pariah of the league reputation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. It is, and 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 you know. I'm never one of those, you know, Red Sox fans who who uh, 
all we care about is the Yankees. Um, it, to me, that always used to aggravate me. It's almost like, uh, you know, you're scorned by the Yankees. So it doesn't matter where we finish as long as we beat the Yankees. Well, that's bull crap. I mean, you, you look at a, someone like Bill, Pars, uh, uh, Bill Belichick, and he's like, who are we playing this week? He, they, they don't focus on one team. And, and I kind of wish the Boston area would, would let the Yankees issues go and then start, you know, worrying about who we're playing this week. And I think they do that with the, uh, with the Patriots. We don't look at any, any one particular team as our nemesis whatsoever. And, and um, Bill Belichick would say the same thing, is who we play in this week. And, but as far as how the rest of the world looks at us, um, and I, I hate the phrase they don't like us because, you know, we win. And, and, and I don't know how much that is true, but um, uh, all I can do is just enjoy the ride that we're on and, and, and not really worry about uh, what other parts of the world look, you know, what other parts of the United States looks at our team. Yeah, no, you got to appreciate the greatness. And speaking of the greatness, this Tom Brady team has been there seven times. So we're looking at, before we break down the game, let's look into the past a little bit, Dad. This 2017 Patriots playoff team, does this team remind you in any way of the past Super Bowl teams? Yeah, it it it, it kind of reminds me of all of them. Um, it, you know, the ones have that have made it to the Super Bowl really in 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 one, um, more or less the 2007 you know Super Bowl team. That mm-hmm. was uh, we we obviously lost that, and that was a little bit of a different team. But all the successful teams that we've had that that, that we went and had victories in the in the um, in the Super Bowl, they kind of remind me of all of all of them to some degree. Obviously, the constant is you know Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick, but um, it's it's a it's a, just a great uh, group of, of, of really uh, a lot of no-names. Um, yeah. Again, a great group of, of uh, uh, players who have played for other teams and ha- are first-time Super Bowl appearance, um, first time at this level, even some, some of the players first time in the playoff playoffs. Like, um, uh, There's a bunch of them, like Chris Long, Kyle Van Noy, yeah, all those Long, guys. Yeah, yeah. I think by, uh, the uh, uh, tight end, um, he had— I think Oh, Martellus Bennett, yeah. As well, yeah. So— that's similar to a lot of the other teams. So there's nothing really that stands out as far as this is a big difference. We're a balanced team, um, probably a little on stronger on defense now than 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 uh, um, uh, you know we've been in the beginning of the year. But like every Patriots team, um, our defense gets better and better and better as the season goes on, and 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 that's been similar for a lot of the other years that we've been successful in the Super Bowl. Yeah, speaking of the defense, now that we get into the game, Atlanta's offense scored as many points as the greatest show on turf did uh, in the regular season. So this offense is coming to play. It's going to be a very, very fun Super Bowl to watch. What player or even coach on Atlanta sticks out to you the most that scares you the most going into this game? Yeah, you know, it's 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 really not so much a, a player, and I guess maybe you can say Matt Ryan, but it's the it's kind of this some of the. Uh, great successes they've had this year um, on some of the styles of play, such as their 21 yards or completions or more. Uh, they're like 50%. Um, yeah. You know, they, they're 29 out of 58. And that, to me, is that, that kind of hurts the Patriots, where we have great fundamentals. But when you're talking about down the field, down the, down the sidelines, uh, you saw Pittsburgh try to do that on us uh, uh, last, last week. And, and, and they had some drop balls, but if they made some receptions, they would have been pretty successful on the longer plays down the sidelines. But again, 21-plus yards, uh, Matt Ryan, is a, his passer rating on those plays is 135. Um, it, to me, that's what scares me. That's what worries me. So it's not any particular player. It's their kind of some of the things that they do on offense that I think are not going to help us. Um, uh, it's, and it's the long plays. Uh, so that's, that's what I worry more is, is the 20-plus yard plays, because that, to me, that it does – eat up yards where we, we do give up a lot of yards 
It also keeps their field, their, their, you know, the offense on the field, which yeah. kind of worries me too. Uh, game possession, that, that that's going to worry me a little bit. Is you know, everyone's going to tell you that the best thing you can do is keep their offense off the field, but uh, that's not easy to do when you have a prolific offense like they have. Uh, and you know, the tight ends, they're, they're not really. You know that's strong in the tight end. I think Hooper is their their number one tight end now that Tammy gone down, uh, went down, and um, he doesn't have a heck of a lot of receptions. I think he's got nine, 19 receptions in for the course of the year. So they tend to hurt us a little bit because you know we 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 tend to not uh, play our, our tight ends, uh, our po- uh, opponents' tight ends as tough as we normally can do. But other than that, I'm not too concerned there. Um, but spreading the ball around with their with their running backs. I mean, their running backs. I think maybe might be third or fourth on the team with receptions. Devontae yeah. Freeman's got 54 receptions, and his backup Coleman's got 31. That's a lot of you know catches for backs out of the backfield, and and that can be problematic for us as well. Yeah, they do have. They do have, uh, yeah, and I was just going to say, they do have kind of the similarities I see between these two teams is you have both teams with two very capable running backs, you know, out of the backfield. The Patriots, obviously, Deion Lewis and James White. And then for the uh, uh, Falcons, as you just mentioned, Tevin Coleman and, and Devontae Freeman. Um, I, what worries me, you know, kind of is is just how many, and, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, there, there's just so many weapons on offense because you know that this is going to be a bit tough take on for the secondary, I think, for the Patriots. It's going to be a lot to handle just because they're going to be double covering Julio Jones all day long but you still have threats and we saw how well Mohamed Sanu can play in the NFC championship game he had himself a day we've seen what Taylor Gabriel can do when he gets in open space and he's allowed to make moves I mean there are a lot of weapons I mean tight ends aside and it's a real shame for on the Patriots side of things that we don't have Gronk going in this man would he make a big difference but I think it's going to be a big undertaking for Malcolm Butler and 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 Logan Ryan and Devin McCourty and the others in that Patriots secondary yeah, I, yeah, I agree, and 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 it's going to be hard. And and again, like I said, trying to keep them off the field uh, uh, defensively is, is going to be a challenge. Um, one of the things we can do that is 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 us staying, keeping our offense on the field. And um, if you look at their third down percentage, uh, as far as third down percentage, it's kind of even with what they've given up uh, for the course of the year against opponents. I think both are around forty-two percent. And that being said, is, is is can we can we have a sustained third downs? Can we kind of just march the ball down the field? And 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 I and I think we can. Um, it, one of the things that concerns me that they do real well uh, on defense, because um, you look at it and people say, well, it's, they're not very defensively strong, but they do do things well and. We, we're a team that uh, the Patriots will throw on first down. They'll throw on second down. It doesn't matter. Down a distance, we, doesn't matter where we are and what we do. We're very unpredictable as far as throwing, passing, that sort of thing. They lead the lead with 15 sacks on second down. And that, that, that caught my eye. And it's like, well, you know, we throw the ball a lot on second down. And, 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 and so that tells us that, A, they probably have a very good pass rush with four, four down linemen. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and they do get to the quarterback on first and second down, which is a very large percentage of their, their successful sacks that they've had this year. This is why we wanted you on, because of these random-ass stats you just pull out of the bag there. That's a great one. Second down passing. Watch out for the sacks in the Super Bowl from the Atlanta defense. So, Dad, before we let you go, uh, we're going to have you make your prediction and uh, defend it. So who do you think is going to win Super Bowl 51? If you want to give us a score, you can give us a score as well and then sort of defend how does, I assume you're picking the Patriot team, how does the Patriots beat the Falcons? Well, I think the Patriots are going to score. They're, they're usually 34 to 35 points. I think they're going to do the same that they did against Pittsburgh. I think you're going to see the same type of offensive plan that you see. Um, we might be a little more pound and ground um, 
because of uh, their size of the defense uh, mm-hmm. uh, that we're playing against. Um, so that being said, I think we're going to have we're going to win at the uh, possession. Uh, time of possession, Scott, mm-hmm. which means that you're probably talking them uh, 21 points, maybe 24. I see us winning by 10. I see us uh, uh, being able to score. I see us being able to keep our offense on the field. Uh, I don't see a lot of turnovers. Teams are pretty good turnover-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of um, uh, major issues with far as penalties and that sort of thing. I think it's going to be a straightforward, clean game. Uh, but I look at the Patriots 35 and the um, Atlanta Falcons around 21 wow okay nice. all right thank you very much for calling in dad i'd love to have you uh next year as we do these next year more yeah, and more we'll do it again for sure and uh my absolute pleasure good luck men keep doing your thing god bless america <laughs> good luck to you <laughs> thank Pat, you mr Gavallo. thank you so right, much and welcome back left coasters as you just heard that was tony senior on the phone and now we have in studio the favorite guest of uh, the past season of podcast, Mr. Drew Schaefer-Crooks. Welcome back, buddy. Oh, it is a pleasure, man. Happy Super Bowl week, fellas. I'm so excited. This is uh, my favorite week of the year. Starts off with the Royal Rumble on Sunday and then a week of media <laughs> leading into the Super Bowl this Sunday. It's just a great year of, of sports and Tony's life. I haven't watched the Royal Rumble since I've been four, but that's, uh, I know <laughs> oh, it's, it's important it's to say, so I, I think it's going to be exciting. It's a spectacle. It's I'm excited. It'll be my first one in a long time as it's well. You're watching it. I am watching it with him. Awesome. It's going to be cool. a blast. He's going to walk me through it. It's going to be a blast. But I'm gonna, I might be... do that myself. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so you're here now. You live in Los Angeles. You are here as a football fan following the Detroit Lions who didn't quite make it to the Super Bowl, but they have have high hopes for next year but as you sit here as an LA homeboy you have now two teams to root for in LA two teams that you could buy a ticket to and go see an NFL football game live and in person that is the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers we just broke down what were the big questions are heading into the offseason for these two teams but you as a Los Angelino where do you stand what team is more exciting to you heading into next year uh, I think I would just go with the the Rams just because they're Hiring another head coach, um, definitely exciting to have a young hot shot in there. We'll see what he can do with golf. I mean, I'm kind of skeptical on his development, but um, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting with with Gurley, and they they seem to have talent. Now the Chargers are interesting. Obviously, I, I heard they're playing their games at StubHub. Is that right? Yeah, yeah thirty thousand people at that stadium max. That's uh, awesome. It, it's going to be really interesting <laughs> to see if they have any kind of support. It seems like. Uh, it's been a lot of backlash since they've, you know, said they're coming here. I yeah. think people will be banging the doors down to try to get tickets to that place. I think it's going to be a fun, intimate football experience. I think LA, there is already, it seems There's like a lot a of fan base. push for the fan base to be up here. I mean, I, I hope, I hope, I hope there is a big push. I hope that I'm right, but um, yeah, there is definitely a lot of backlash from San Diego. So we'll see if there's that sort of travel thing. But I hope people from are banging you read, the door down. McVeigh. Uh, is how you say his name, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Mc, McVeigh is supposed to be, you know, the the the, the new guy as uh, an offensive mind and, and a great young head coach, and so I think that kind of brings a little flair to uh, the Rams organization. And thank God, obviously, Fisher's out of there. Is traditionally one of the worst coaches in the history of the NFL. It's terrible. But um, what do you think about Wade Phillips? You know, and 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 I think that's a great hire. I really do. With the with the veteran defensive leadership there, they obviously can play a little defense. They have some playmakers on. That side of the ball, uh, led by obviously Aaron Donald. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to have a, a good draft, and we'll see what transpires um, in the future. Obviously, both both seasons for the Rams and the Chargers, even though the Chargers weren't 
you know, this year we're quite disappointed, so there's nowhere to go but up. Okay. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Now, do you care that there's football in Los Angeles? You know, I, me and Brian and uh, talked about this when when the Rams were announced. I think we talked about it to you, Tony. Like, I, I mean, of course, it's nice to have some local, some some local football in LA. But it's I'm not gonna sit here and I'm not gonna watch them if they're bad. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. Lions fan first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like when the Kings are on the playoffs or the Clippers are in the playoffs, it's kind of fun to go to the bar when when they're good and kind of watch with uh, the local community and cheer. Yep. But you know, I'm not gonna watch if they're. We doubled our chances of watching the Detroit Lions in the future. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So I mean, do I care? I mean, sure, I love football. Um, but am I gonna like you know, get season tickets and camp out and tailgate? No. But do you see yourself in the future though? When if there is a relevancy within the Chargers organization or the Rams organization, maybe five, ten, fifteen years down the line, life looks different for you. You might have some little ones running around. Do you take them to the games? Do you get them excited? They're gonna be wearing Honolulu blue and silver, man. All right, <laughs> that's what they're gonna be wearing. So. I appreciate that. That's 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 my opinion on that. Okay, so moving forward to the reason why we're here, and that's the big Kahuna. That is the Super Bowl Fifty One, New England Patriots, Atlanta Falcons at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. So, Woo! what to you is the best part about Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, I mean, it's just been. I, I think this is a, a marquee matchup, and I'm not going to say it because I did select it uh, before the playoffs started. <laughs> but I mean, what a matchup! I mean, you got Matty Ice. Um, just, just I, I've always admired him. You know, he seems like oh, yeah. he, he does everything the right way. Seems not only a great quarterback, but but a great dude. And then you got you know the legend Tom, the terrific Brady, a Michigan yes. man. Uh, the only uh, as an adult man that I am, he's the only athlete that I wear a jersey of still. Um, really. Yeah, I don't wear jerseys because, you know, I'm a grown man. You don't wear another man's name on your back? Yeah, it's not my thing. You know, when you're little, it's cool, but, like, you're 30 years old. Like, grow up a little bit. But Tom uh, Brady, number 12, he's he's my guy. He's so guy. I will wear a jersey. I think uh, it's a marquee matchup. I think it's, it's fantastic. I it, think it's the NFL selling the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great for how for how amazing Green Bay's run was, and it was amazing. They mm. were just so banged up mm-hmm. and so deflated. Um and then Pittsburgh, you know, also Pittsburgh was equally as hot. People don't realize that Pittsburgh like had they matched won, Green Bay's win streak. They won more games, yeah. Yeah, and they had kind of flew under the radar, and uh, obviously not having Le'Veon in that AFC Championship game just yeah they ran out of gas, just destroyed any chance they had to win. I think the two right teams are in the Super Bowl. Exactly, Dallas without a bad. doubt. Dallas was up there too, but these two teams are the right teams for right now. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll see a lot. A lot of times the, these playoffs have been kind of hyped, and with the exception of the second Sunday, the divisional classic games with the Cowboys and Packers and the Chiefs and Steelers, it's kind of been a bunch of blowouts. So I, I think we're gonna get what we want uh, oh, I think on Sunday. I think it's gonna be a um, shootout and a great and game. And even if it's not a fun one, you get to do what I was trying to lead to is Super Bowl Sunday is made for one thing, and that's gambling. Oh my God! I mean, it's a bit, it's the best gambling event of the year. You uh, can you can make a play on literally. Anything, and I'll have a lot in play. Oh yeah, so I'll let's have get a to lot it. in play as well, including the coin toss. <laughs> this is always a fun one to start off. <laughs> coin toss, heads or tails? Uh, tails never fails. Tails I, never I was going to say tails. Tails yeah. never fails. Very nice, you have man. to go with tails. I'm going to go with heads. Then, since you were all going <laughs> tails, <laughs> dangles coming in hot. Uh, so another one I like to bet is uh, the over under on the national anthem. Now, you have to go with the singer here. The uh-huh. singer is a country guy, Luke when Bryan. When you say over-under on the national anthem, you mean the length. Time. The length of the national anthem. So Luke Bryan is set to sing the national anthem, and the over-under mark is 2 minutes and 15 seconds. I killed it last year with Lady Gaga. As soon as I saw her name, I put all the money I had on the over, and she slayed. She slayed. So, Luke Bryan, country boy, over-under. 
Uh, Two minutes, 15 boy. seconds. Man. Let me ask you, though, Tony. Over. Over by a long shot. Mm-hmm. It's a country song. He's going to be singing for America. Like, he's going to be pandering a little bit. He's going to take his sweet-ass pimp time. What's typically the length of the national anthem? Because if you said uh, that it's usually at one minute 40, we're talking, then— I mean, Marvin Gaye went for like four minutes, so you don't know. Yeah, Aretha, oh, it's, don't that, know. it's that Remember drastic. Aretha? It's that, I think, I think yeah, if you are bad. efficient and you sing the song as <laughs> Francis bad. Scott Key wrote it, you can probably cruise through the national anthem in 90 seconds. I think I think Ooh. with uh, the country boy, they like to kind over. of pander a little bit. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over, too. Over. Wow. I'm thinking about the under. I think Luke Bryan's going to be in and out. Clean cut boy. I'm I don't know. Gonna There's going to be a lot of notes. fireworks and flags Absolutely. waving. Absolutely. That's all, all that timed, shit. though. Like, they plan this out. That's all. Th- I think he goes under. I think he goes under. I usually don't like taking unders at all, but I think he goes under. I was listening to Mike and Mike this week. It's such a it's such an odd bet because obviously people that are close to Luke Bryan can actually I was gonna you know, say, get they some actually information. Uh, it seems like there'd be some, you know, some under the table bets going on there, but hey, I don't know. Actually, my friend Ryan Hurd, shameless plug, country music star, <laughs> wrote for Luke Bryan, so maybe I should uh, get some inside contact scoops. him, see yeah. what's going on. Yeah, man. Um, my favorite bet, my favorite bet of the Super Bowl has to do with the halftime show. It's a bet I've hit three years running. Nice. And I'm hoping to hit it for a fourth year. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make my lock right now. I've been thinking about it, and I, here's the thing. The, the bet is, which song will be the first song of the halftime show? It is my favorite bet of the year because it's, a, it's an event that everyone in the Super Bowl party is paying attention to as the halftime show. So everyone's watching the screen. Everyone's That's another quiet. one that everybody would probably know if they were close to the singer. Sure. Not true. Because you'd never know what's coming first. But I have three I have three guidelines in how I make this bet and how I've gotten it right every year. Give it to us. The first guideline is you take all the new hits and you throw them out. They never start with the new hot song. Okay? The second one, you start off with a song that is a power song. A song that is going to get people power off, their, off their seats. No, not a power ballad. A power like fire song. They're going to get people excited. You start off with a hopper. And then the third part is you pick a song that the first... Three notes are both recognizable and loud and fun. Okay? So, Lady Gaga is your halftime show this year. I do not know Lady Gaga as well as I knew Coldplay, Katy Perry, and Bruno Mars. I don't know if that's a cool thing for me to say or not. But <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Lady Gaga as well. But right now I'm looking at it. I think Lights are Dark, Super Bowl halftime show is about to begin, and you hear coming from the crowds maybe like a chorus of like 50 people. All these dancers, and you hear that ma 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 ma. That's what comes through the darkness. That's what comes through the darkness, and that's bad romance. And bad romance right now is actually one of the favorites at plus two fifty. So you guys, you also have born this way plus two twenty five, edge of glory plus six hundred, poker face is another one I'm thinking about plus a thousand. Great numbers on poker face. Just dance plus a thousand. Any other song, the field essentially is plus one ten. Let me ask you, as somebody who is not so up to date, uh, it's not something I watch every year. I mean, obviously I watch the halftime, but in terms of being aware of it, do they typically go with songs that are politically charged songs? That's another thing she's that throws a wrench play, in this. She's probably not going to play if it happens to you. It's just not the type of song no, but, you would want to play. No, but a... the third or fourth one you just said was um, "You Were Born This Way." Uh, yeah, Born uh, This Way is the leading favorite yeah, right now. Yeah, but I don't think that's I don't think that's so politically charged that it's going to matter. No, I'm not saying she's doing it politically, but I'm saying it's relevant like hell right now. But I don't know if they lead with it. That's the thing. It's the first song. It's the, you got to think of it. The stadium is dark. They're looking to start a show. It's a 15-minute show. They're looking to start it with a fire. What's I, Poker Face's start? 
Mom. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Poker face. Poker face. I've, no, 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 no. no. I have no idea. Romance. See, I don't, I don't know Lady See, that's Gaga. the other thing, too. I, I don't, don't know Lady, Lady Gaga, Gaga, Gaga as much. That's probably a terrible question to ask five, I'm four, four there. dudes. I'm, well, I'm just giving it to the left coast. If they want to make some money, look for... Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But I'm thinking, Mom, uh, I, I can just Those are see good criteria, though. Those yeah. are, that's good to know. I'd have to sit in front of my iTunes and just kind of like, okay. blow through all so four of them. So moving on to the actual football game. Because, again, you can bet on literally everything in the actual football game, including what the first score of the football game could be. Oh, I like that one. Drew was talking about uh, how uh, his buddy bet on a safety. Uh, the last Patriots, uh, the second Patriots-Giants Super Bowl, and the first score of that game was a safety. It was 50-1 to 1 odds he made. Devin bank. Hester running made back the, uh, yes. the kickoff for the touch, uh, touchdown. One that I always like to do is which player will score the first touchdown. Now, this can be Atlanta or New England, either player, and also includes defensive players if you want to go big money. Which individual player will score the first touchdown? You guys give me a name, and I'll give you the odds. I got my name right now. Yeah. Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is a big bet that's plus 1,400, meaning if you bet, again, guys, if you bet $100 on it, you're winning $1,400 back. Mohamed Sanu, that's where you're going with. I'll take Mohamed Sanu. Okay. I'll take Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is one. plus 1,200. Plus 1,200. Also a pretty long shot bet. Dangles. I like LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt plus 800. I think that's a gimme. I think I think if you you have to think who you have to go on who do you think is going to score first, obviously. Tevin and Coleman. If you, if you think New England's going to score, then you've got to go with LeGarrette Blunt. You have to go with LeGarrette Blunt. Answer me this, Tony, as a Patriots man. What is going on with the Patriots run game? It seems like this these two playoff games they've like haven't even really hinted at it until they get down to the goal line. Are they gonna have because I actually need a fantasy to. uh pick and pull mm. survivor and I, mm. I can play either Tevin Coleman or LeGarrette Blunt. I can't play Freeman because I played him last week and I've been I've been torn on that decision. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt do, led do the think, league in is touchdowns. Is Blunt gonna get some touches? Led the league in touchdowns. He led the league in touchdowns. I understand that, but I also year. played him on another pool in uh the divisional round and he didn't touch the ball. It was Deion Lewis's coming out parties. I just I'm just <laughs> I was so confused. Like how has he not touched the ball? They it, it's tough for me to say as a fan of the game because the Patriots are number one in adjusting their game plan and every game is different to them. If they think they have the advantage by running LeGarrette Blunt, they're going to run LeGarrette Blunt 25 times. If they mm -hmm. think they have the advantage by it's throwing Deion Lewis, they're going Belichick with Deion Lewis. It's literally just what feeling at that particular second about I think, the defense. I think you can do, and I wish my Green Bay team did it more, but again, Eddie Lacy was on the shelf. We, you need to run the ball against this Atlanta team. Mm -hmm. They're so fast in the secondary that if you try to do the dink and dunk pass, they're not like Pittsburgh that just sits back and plays a zone and you can plan around them. They, tried, they want you to pass the ball. They want to challenge you that way. I think you have to give the big horse the ball and run. I like LeGarrette Blunt at plus 800. I'm with you, Dangles. I'm with you, Dangles. That's if Atlanta scores first. The fact that Julio Jones is a plus 750 is crazy because that's really good numbers for the best player on the field on Sunday. It, those odds do seem high, although it's it's ironic to see what happened to Antonio Brown last week and DeAndre Hopkins the week before. Patriots do. They will just eliminate one player, the, the best player from the opposing offense. And mm -hmm. uh, you, I mean, it's very predictable to see that it's going to happen again. So it, Julio is just a huge X factor for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. It'll be interesting what he does. And the last prop bet I'll give you, and there's, again, guys, you look these up. There were a lot of fun. You can bet on a million of them. The odds to win MVP. Who do you think is going to be the MVP in this game? Well, whoever the, whoever the winning quarterback is. Not, yeah, it's not, not always true. Yeah, not necessarily. It's not always true. But that's my best bet. I, I You're asking me for my best bet. bet. But if you want to try to win money... You're gonna look for someone yeah, else. See, it's tough because Julio don't Julio Jones doesn't win the MVP without Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan's gonna get the MVP in that situation. But Dion Branch stole an MVP from Tom Brady because of Dion's great Noy. year. Kyle oh God, Van if he Noy. did, I'd fucking lose. What's the on him? He's is he not listed? listed. The highest one listed is Chris Long and Levine Toilolu. <laughs>
the, what, the tight what, end for what's, Atlanta. What's Chris Hogan's odds? Uh, Chris, Ho- uh, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan's plus two twenty five hundred. Plus twenty five hundred. Take a stab at that. And oh, then, if you wanted to take Kyle Van Noy, that would be betting the field at plus two thousand. Mm. And then Brady and Ryan are what three to one even money? No, uh, Brady is plus one sixty. Matt Ryan's closer to three to one plus two seventy five. Is Vic Beasley on there? Vic Beasley Ooh. is plus thirty three hundred. Mm. Ooh, I could see a couple interceptions and big tackles. Here's a question: What was Von Miller stop? last year? I don't know what Von Miller was. Right? You don't know where he these guys are coming from. He you had don't know where these guys are coming from. What? I'm sorry. What? You don't know where these guys are coming from. Well, because like, he went where the MVP last from. year as a defensive player. Right. Malcolm Butler plus sixty six hundred. Wow. Wow. All you need is a couple of big splash plays. Keanu Neal? Keanu Neal on there? Keanu Neal is on there at plus 10,000. I, so I don't again, anticipate a defensive you to, player. You have, to, you have to fire it. And there's another one. Uh, uh, I actually looked it up, but I wasn't going to list it. What will the first turnover be in the game? Fumble is minus 160. Interception is plus 200 because these guys don't throw interceptions. But my favorite bet is there will be no turnovers at plus 650. Wow. Yeah. I like that bet, Tony. Yeah. No plus six fifty for no turnovers against these the two teams well. that don't don't turn it over. Granted, we talk about we're going to talk about New England had creates turnovers at a at a great rate, but these two teams don't turn it I over. I feel like I feel like every Super Bowl I watch, there is somebody who disappoints and doesn't rise up to the stage because it's obviously it's Super Bowl, right? But you're going to watch. I feel like you're going to see a couple missing you know uh, miss passes and completions the first drives. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fumble. Right on away. a swing pass or like a, a right away. like yeah, yeah. or a muff or, punt or, or like a screen pass that just doesn't go well. Yeah, you know, I could see that. Hey, Maddie, Maddie Ice threw a terrible interception in the championship game. Yep, so, sure did. We'll see what happens. So, Drewby, yes, last sir. question, my man. The Super Bowl as it breaks down to you, where do you see it going? Give me a score. Give me a team. Oh man, I I'm very excited for this year's game. I really am. Um, and I hate to be chalk. I did take. The Patriots to beat the Falcons before the playoffs, and I also liked the Falcons' odds at ten to one to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs. So I'm kind of torn here, but I never root against Tom Brady. I will say my record in Super Bowl games since 2009 uh, is this. Uh, it would be five and two. My two losses have both been Patriots versus the Giants. I've took them both to win. So. I'm a little apprehensive to take the Patriots because I always root for number 12, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go pretty chalky here. I'm just going to go with the boys in Vegas say. I'm going to go 34-31. Not really a – I just think it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, absolutely. I'm agreeing with you there. It's going to be a shootout. The over-under for this game broke the record from last week. Uh, Atlanta Green Bay's over-under. It's the highest over-under they've ever had at 61 points. Exactly. I'm going with the over as well. Yeah. 34-31, and I just think that if the Patriots have a chance – at the end, with Tom, with the ball in Tom Brady's hands, they're gonna do it. Yeah. They're gonna do it. The keys, keys to this game for me are, are, are is the Patriots' ability to, to take away Julio Jones. Who's gonna step up for the Falcons? Whether it be I like what Brian referenced, Tevin Coleman, Muhammad Sanu. Obviously, they have Freeman's a great weapon. Yep. Um, and for the Patriots is is what you just talked about is if their ability to run the ball. Like what what is their philosophy gonna be to run? Are they gonna get Lewis involved, Garrett Blunt? I I love Julian Edelman. Um, I do too. I think he can. He just wrecks havoc. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw what Hogan did um, last week. But it'll be interesting to see if there's any unsung players for the Patriots, whether it be a Malcolm Mitchell, if he's healthy, or Michael Floyd, if he's activated. Um, I didn't even think about Michael Floyd first person to score a touchdown. Yeah. That's one I might look at. Or or, or even, and, and Martellius uh, Bennett's Bennett. been very yeah. kind of quiet uh, th- these first couple of games of the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. 
All right. Well, I thank you for coming in, driving all the way from Santa Monica to come to our My pleasure, studios man. out here. And it's been a wonderful time having you. We're going to have you more often uh, when the 2017 season begins. I can't wait for that. It'll be a lot of fun. And I'll, uh, I'll see you Super Bowl Sunday, hopefully. All right, buddy. Thanks all a right, lot. Man. Thank you for coming in. And uh, Left Coasters, we're going to head on to the three of us, the three hosts, breaking down this Super Bowl game and giving you our three picks, which, again, Brian is still the leader in the clubhouse for the playoff race. Brian, I'm going to going to kill you, buddy. All right, here we go. Do it again. And as always, ram it. Ram it? Ram it. Okay. <laughs> said that like a quest. Ram it? Ram it. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks again to the two guests that showed up. We are here now, just the three of us. It's a way to end it the way we started it, guys. We are going to break down this Super Bowl game the only way we know how, and that is with our intelligence. What little intelligence we have about the football world, we're going to break it down. I'm so excited for this game. As sad as I am that the Packers are not in it, it's going to be a very, very fun, entertaining Super Bowl. I think it's going to be completely different from last year. I think if you're having a Super Bowl party, everyone's going to be entertained by the high-flying acts in this game. So, guys, uh, before we go into it, at the very end, we're going to give our picks, obviously. And, Brian, you are still leading our little picks race here. And we all actually get one bonus point for picking uh, the New England Patriots to be in the Super Bowl from the start. So, congratulations to all of us. Dangles and I are two points behind you, Brian. It all matters to this because this Super Bowl is worth five points for the winner. So, I want to break it down position group by position group, including the head coach, to see at the end where the advantages lie. And maybe some team has more than others. Maybe we... I think I know where my pick is, but it might be swayed by this conversation. So let's start off with the unsexiest one in the world, offensive line. Patriots are led by an amazing head coach named Dante Skarnecchia, one of the best head coaches in the league. The offensive line for the Falcons has been the same offensive line, the only team that has had the same starting five every game this season. So, gentlemen, any thoughts you have on the two warring offensive lines here, the two hogs in the middle? Well, the one person who's getting a lot of, uh, specifically getting a lot of publicity this week is Alex Mack. Center for Atlanta. Center for Atlanta. He has been a very, very positive, uh, has had a very positive impact on the unit as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of attribute him to being the linchpin of the change and, and, and allowing that team to be just a heck of a passing offense, but allow their their run offense to really take take hold too with their two-headed horse uh, backfield, but they've um, been moving people. They moved my Green Bay line all over the place, and they and they and they just they're efficient, incredibly efficient, and uh, the fact that they've been playing together all the season is incredible. So my 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 personal advantage goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, Dangles, you got anything to say? Uh, no, I, I think I give them a very very slight edge, just because it's not s- big. It's not a big edge at all. Uh, the, the Patriots have a very good offensive line. I have seen David Andrews getting pushed around That's a lot the one this that year. Kills me, yeah. The center um, and Joe Joe Tooney. Thank goodness our left guard is uh, uh, who's a rookie has been picking up some of the slack for him. And uh, we still have Nate Solder at that left tackle position. Mm-hmm. He's always been an anchor for us. But yeah, just the way that just the way that the Atlanta's offense has been able to pretty much allow Tevin Coleman and, and, and Devontae Freeman to run at will um, this season. They were, um, if I'm not mistaken, fifth in the NFL overall in rushing yards this year, uh, which says uh, to- in total rush yards, yes, they were fifth, fifth overall. So that says to me that they were just pretty much running at will on people um, the, the with the likes of Buffalo and Dallas. Yeah, so no, I, I give it to Atlanta. I don't even think it's a slight edge. I think it's a definite edge because of the center of that New England offensive line is a little bit tricky. And uh, we'll move on to defensive line next. Uh, uh, because Rashid Hegman is a hell of a defensive tackle. 
tackle, and he's going to be over the center the whole time, and I don't think Andrews can handle him. So let's move forward. Defensive line, the other side of the big hogs. Uh, New England always has a strong defensive line, and they sub people out more than anyone else. They have people come in for specific situations and do a specific particular job. Atlanta, on the other hand, has pretty much, I mean, they do have a Dwight Freeney coming in, the old the old goatee veteran, but they have guys that are there on almost every play that just ravage you and also beat the crap out of my Green Bay team. So, Brag, I will go to you first. Defensive line, who do you think has the advantage? <sighs> that one's hard. Um, I would actually probably have to go with New England because okay. I think they have amassed an incredible free agent plethora, a, a cornucopia of defensive ends yep. uh, and defensive tackles. Um, I love Chris Long. Chris I Long, awesome. to me, I don't know how they got rid of him. I know he was probably, at St. Louis, he was a cap casualty, essentially. Yep. But the fact that he went to New England immediately signified to me that that he, he still has a great deal of use. Yeah. And he's a situational pass rusher, yeah. and he's decent against the run. Um, I, I just think there's also a great deal of experience on the, on the New England side of the ball mm-hmm. when it comes to the defensive line. Um, whereas the Atlanta Falcons defensive line with um, with Vic Beasley, yeah, it, who is a monster, awesome. a monster, is super young, and uh, we'll see. I, 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 again, I think kind of going back to the offensive line thing, it's kind of a, it is a, it is very comparable to the two. But I just, I just think they also have the New England and, and Dangles kind of said it. Uh, they also have the ability to 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 sub in quite a bit. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I think Dang. that's the the advantage to me. Yeah, Diggity. no, I also agree, and I think one person you're going to want to watch out for on the defensive line, number 98, Trey Flowers. He led the team in sacks this season with seven. Uh, he's incredibly fast off of that left side when he comes in hard, and and if the, uh, Atlanta's offensive line isn't isn't on its toes the entire day long, he's going to be able to just run circles around them essentially. So I'd be watching out for him on the offense or on the defensive line, and I do give that edge to uh, 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 New England as well. I think between him and Chris Long and Alan Branch and Malcolm Brown, uh, they have a solid four-three front for that, or uh, four-four down lineman front for that four-three defense. And uh, I think you're going to see that push the offensive line around on the Atlanta side a little. And bit. I, I love Jabal Sheard too for New England, another former another Cleveland really Brown, good, and you know, really good player. And there's word on the street that he's going to be a free agent next year, yeah. and the Lions need him back. Five he's, sacks this he's, season. He's very good, especially as a run-stopping like defensive end tackle hybrid. Cleveland does have a former pass rush Cleveland. Too. I was going to say another Alex Mack former Cleveland. Cleveland Brown. Cleveland Browns, what did you say, Brian, have more uh, players in this Super Bowl than any other four, uh, team that's not in I the believe Super Bowl. they're tied with the Redskins. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm actually going to give the edge to Atlanta, though, on the defensive line because of Vic Beasley, because of Dwight Freeney, and I really like Rasheed Hegman in the middle. Yep. I do. I think they have a very strong and young defensive and angry defensive front. And Justin Babineau is a very good defensive lineman as well. There's not a better uh, uh, guy, like what Julius Peppers does in Green Bay, there's not a better guy to lead that group than Dwight Freeney, who's been there before against these Patriots. And let's not forget, let's not forget their their, their blitz packaging with their, li- with their linebackers is a huge factor in yep. that defensive of lines production. Yep. And that's exactly what we're going to move to next is the linebacking core. Uh, New England traded away two Ugh. of their star defensive players. One was a uh, Chandler Jones is more of a DN, but Jamie Collins, who just got paid the big bucks by Cleveland, was traded away midseason because New England thought that they have exactly what they need at the New England uh, linebacking core to make it work, including a former Detroit Lion and Kyle Van Noy. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, on the other hand, as you said, have just, these guys are so fast and so angry, just streaming, screaming down the field, making plays all over the place. So, linebacking core, Atlanta versus New England, who has the advantage? 
Uh, I am giving the advantage to New England in this one. Okay. Uh, Kyle Van Noy has has become a new player since he came to uh, New England. He's as they been, usually do. As they usually do. And I'm sorry uh, for the sake of Brian that he well, he didn't seem to um, blossom the way that he has under Matt, Matt Patricia's defense. But um, he, he's really been he's really been impressive for the team so far this year. And then Dante Hightower, I cannot say enough about him. He's the leader of that team. Uh, he's the guy who's calling the plays uh, out for them in the. Uh, on on the defensive side of the ball, he's the lead. He's the leader now. That Jamie Collins is gone of that defense, and uh, and and he is going to be a t- he's going to be rushing all day long. So Matt Ryan better be ready to be on his bum. I'm going to go with the uh, New England Patriots. That's not to shake you know the nose at uh, at Vic Beasley in that secondary or in the end the, uh, the 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 middle linebackers there in Atlanta, but. I just think you're looking at it better on the New England. So England Dangles side. has it going one one advantage Atlanta, two to New England so far. Brian, uh, I'm also going to go with the New England Patriots for a lot of those reasons. I think the other big thing is Dante Hightower. I love him. The fact love that he him. is also a very experienced mm-hmm. linebacker. I mean, you know, most teams their linebacker is the is the coach on the field. Yes, and having that is incredible. Now to to highlight somebody on the Atlanta side that I particularly love is rookie Deion Jones. Uh, He's played awesome. This he year. has been fan. Fucking tastic for a second round guy. That's that's why Atlanta's in this game, mm-hmm. in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. When they've been able to hit on those second, third, fourth round draft picks, like they've been doing the last two or three years, Deion J- James is a perfect example of that, mm-hmm. and he's played very, very well. And I think uh, that's where the difference lies between the two. A Deion Deion J- Jones, who is going to be a stud for the next five to eight years, but he's young. But he's young, and a Hightower who's been in this high pressured situation before. I give it just a slight edge to the uh, New England Patriots. So you are one Atlanta, two New England as well. I'm giving my first advantage to New England. I'm right there with you. Donta Hightower and Rob Nikovich, like these guys, these New England linebackers know how to make a play every time. They just, it's like what San Diego does with the wide receivers to call that back. They just make linebackers in New England. Back to the Mike Vrabel days. They just make their linebackers work and they always come out. So Let's head back to the offense over here. I want to go with the backfield because I think this is a really good conversation to start. You have Atlanta, you have Thunder and Lightning and Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. And then in New England, you have just who? <laughs> an amazing group of running backs in New England. Well, who? You can, yeah, no, I know you who, can, I just, but I just where do you start? It's, well, it's because awesome. if you want to run the ball hard, you have one of the hardest runners in the NFL. Who I believe led Blunt. the league in touchdowns this year, who am I did, correct? Who did lead the league in and touchdowns then, and this then, year. And then if you want to pass the ball, yes. you have Deion Lewis, who is electrifying out of the backfield, and James White, who's not so bad himself. So who, uh, who, who, who has the advantage here? I'm going to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I actually think Atlanta has the advantage. Really? Yes. I give it to Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, they're both. They are both. They just. They operate as, and and I guess that's where I draw the line, is that the Patriots' run game is compartmentalized. It's two separate things. Mm-hmm. The game out of the backfield is LeGarrette Blunt, or the game out of the backfield is uh, is is James White slash Deion Lewis, usually uh-huh. Deion Lewis. The Atlanta pass out of the backfield, run out of the backfield, they are one unit. He and Tevin Coleman, they can both take it out of the backfield and plow through the line and rip off a 15-yard run, wow. and they can both run a wheel out of the backfield catch it along the sidelines and make defenders miss so i just i think atlanta just there that the versatility that they have whereas with new england you've got blunt who is great in short yardage situations and who has been awesome at pulling off even some big runs this year i just think that that unit is so and with kyle shanahan calling the plays Man, I I I I, I, mean, I think Kyle Shanahan's a better offensive coordinator than Josh McDaniels. We'll get to the is, coordinators. But, we'll get to the coordinators. Anyway. So, Brian, what do you have to say? Well, to just a fun that? little stat. This kind of tells you how how one sided it is, in my opinion. Um, 
when you look at the two-headed horses of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, uh, they have 11 and 8 touchdowns, respectively. Mm -hmm. 19 total. Mm -hmm. LeGarrette Blunt, 18 touchdowns. Period. Period. One other person, Jacoby Brissett, has a rushing touchdown. Yeah, it's just that yeah, that's what they it. do. That's what so, they do. So when you talk about who's more deadly, when you've got two guys who mm-hmm. can carry that load, I mean, that just tells me Atlanta better just headhunt the crap out of LeGarrette <laughs> Blunt. When he, whenever he's on the field, he's getting the ball, especially in the red zone. Oh, LeGarrette Blunt is a red zone uh, 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 monster. Yes. So you know that the the advantage goes to those two guys who can wheel routes, who can who can hand it off, do middle, outside stretch plays. Everything in the world can, can happen out of the Atlanta backfield. I don't think that's the case necessarily for the New England. Okay, so you guys have both evened it up two advantages apiece. I'm actually giving my advantage to New England because of LeGarrette Blunt is exactly what you need. He is the last name says it all. He is a blunt object and will just get churn those yards forward. And then to have Dion Lewis, which the Patriots have never lost a game when he has started for them. Never, ever, ever lost a game when he has started for them. He is amazing in the backfield, and he is fully healthy coming off that leg injury. And speaking of a man you need to spotlight when he enters the field, when he's in the backfield and he starts to do a motion, he is going on a wheel route, and he is beating whatever linebacker is on him down the field. If you add in Deion Lewis receiving touchdowns, I guarantee you they have more than uh, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. Uh, put together with the LeGarrette Blunt touchdowns. I'm giving my advantage to New England, but that right there, that matchup right away is why these two teams are in the playoffs yep. because they have just they can do whatever they want in the backfield, plus what they do with the wide receivers. Am Deion I wrong? Lewis has zero touchdowns, receiving well, touchdowns. Maybe we'll give them to James White. Okay, moving on. So let's take it to now the defensive backfield. I love both of these defensive backfields. I know where my advantage lies, but Dangles, let's go to you first. Defensive backfield. New England, by a long shot. Okay. Uh, they're just their experience. Logan Ryan has experience in the playoffs. Malcolm Butler, um, I think he has some experience in playoffs. I heard he made a really important reception or interception <laughs> one year. Uh, he knows how to make big plays in the playoffs. Patrick Chung is a big playmaker, can be a big playmaker on, on defense. Uh, they're just, they're better. They're better. Devin McCourty is is a leader on on I love defense. Devin I, I've always loved Devin McCourty ever since they drafted him. I don't have much else to say other than I mean, you know, there are some decent cornerbacks, some individual cornerbacks, but as a unit, the Patriots' corners are are far and away better. I give the same. Uh, I think when you look at the Atlanta side of the ball. Uh, when they lost Desmond Trufant, they lost a pure number one DB. Yes. Um, and, but they've done a magnificent job of covering up uh, that that deficiency. Keanu Neal has Keanu been Neal is amazing. unbelievable and is going to be a Pro Bowl uh, safety for now until... Robert he, Alford is also a very, very good Very good. But I think he hit it home as a unit when you talk about the experience. I mean, New England is just locking down. What they did to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in terms of just shutting down that passing game for the most part, making the, making the, the, the one of the best passing Offenses in the league look look stagnant. They got they got nine real time points before garbage time. There nine. you go, there you go. And I think the I think the factor also too is you're talking about guys who have played in Super Bowls. Pat, you know the Patrick Chungs of the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. the Malcolm the Malcolm Browns. Those guys are or Malcolm Butler. Those guys are going to be gamers always and, and forever. The stat that my father brought up, the man of many stats, the fact that uh, uh, Atlanta is almost fifty percent passing for twenty one yards or more is scary. But this New England defense is built to take away those big plays. They focus on taking away, and those they are big the plays. number one. They were the they're the number one turnover defense, scoring. Excuse me, scoring defense. Yeah, the New England Patriots. And it starts there. I have to give my advantage to New England as well. Although Atlanta with Keanu Neal is a is a bunch of very fast, hard hitting young guys. Let's move on to now the wide receivers and tight ends. Oof. Okay, we're gonna combine them together. These guys 
guys are the specialists. These are the guys catching passes in this game. So Atlanta versus New England, who has the advantage in the wide receiver tight end? It's hard not to say Atlanta. It's just, it really, really is. When you talk about what they're doing with Julio Jones, mm-hmm. there's not much you can't say about that guy. But when you're talking about Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel, and then those two receivers out of the backfield, right? Um, and, and then having small production out of out of Austin Hooper. Um, and, and, and that's what, to me, makes Atlanta scary as hell, is that they have so many weapons. We saw what happens when Julio Jones gets double teamed. Mohamed Sanu comes out and starts ripping off, you know, eight, nine catches for 50 yards and a, you know, two, two touchdowns. You guys know I think Julio Jones is the best player on the field Sunday. I, I think Without that, a doubt. Yeah. yeah, no question. Without a doubt. I mean, when he's hurt, I mean, he's had a toe injury this week. When he's hurt... He's still, he's like, to me, he's the most like Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. He's just that guy when he's on the field, it doesn't matter how 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 hurt he is or how ineffective he is or how he schemes. You just have to have two people on him at all mm-hmm. times. And that's the difference maker. I don't think there's anybody on New England where you're worried about double teaming anybody. I'm giving my advantage to the New England Patriots in this because as a unit, again, as a unit, I think I think if you look at this as kind of a scale, on the Atlanta Falcons side, you're putting Julio Jones's weight, which is incredibly heavy. Yes. And then a couple of, you're flicking a couple of pennies onto one side <laughs> for uh, Taylor Gabriel, <laughs> Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, because they will make big plays, but they are few and far between, and they have to be in the perfect situation with the perfect look on defense for Matt Ryan to be able to call it out, the protections right, and, yep. and to audible into it. The Patriots, however, Edelman's coming. I'm just going to throw to Hogan. He didn't have a problem. Brady didn't have a problem doing that against Pittsburgh. Hogan had, what, 185 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah. Chris Hogan, who played college lacrosse, who, who yeah. didn't even friggin' grow up playing football. 7 uh, uh, we ha- We've talked about the passing threat out of the backfield. You could argue that Deion Lewis is a wide receiver sometimes, the way that they motion him out, the way that they use him out of the backfield. And I think they have the better tight end in I Bennett. think they have the better tight end in Martellus Bennett as well. So I think when you look at them as a complete package, on the other side of the scale, what you're putting down is a decent size weight for Judy. Julian Edelman and a decent sized weight for Chris Hogan, maybe a little bit smaller, and a decent sized weight for Martellus Bennett. And suddenly you start to see the Patriots pull the Falcons down on the other side. So, as big a shadow as Julio Jones is going to cast on that field offensively, I think the Patriots have more to look at. I think yeah. they have more to work with because if Julio Jones isn't open and he's being double covered, I mean, you know, then Matt Ryan is, we're going to see how, what he's really made of. That's the matchup I'm most excited to watch on Sunday is Julio. Julio versus Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler, they're going to give him safety help as well, but that's going to be a fun, fun, Let me point fun one st- matchup to f- watch. Point one stat, though, just for the collective whole of the season. This, the, the Atlanta Falcons are averaging 310 yards of receiving per game. The New England Patriots, 278. Okay, yeah, and I'm giving my advantage actually with you, Brian, to Atlanta because if you're using that scale theory, Matt, which I like to use a lot, uh, Julio Jones is a two-ton weight, period. Um, but I'm right there with you in the fact that the New England wide receivers are nothing to snuff at. And playoff. Not a, at all. Yeah. Super Bowl Julian Edelman is going to come out like a tiger. He's going to be amazing in that game. Okay, guys, there's only one positional spot left before we get to the coordinators and coaches, and that is the quarterback. You have Matty Ice, who is having an MVP season and, and doubled down on it in these playoffs, destroying Seattle and Green Bay, destroying them. And then you have the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Brady, the GOAT, the best player to ever play the position, in my opinion. Tom Brady deflate gate ridden and he's coming back for vengeance who has the advantage on sunday brian tom, tom brady a man oh, named brady yeah, for tom sure brady wow you're throwing the mvp under the bus 
He's I'm not a great. Him under the bus. I'm putting him up on a pedestal. Yeah, he is definitely, definitely deserving to be in the Super Bowl this year. And in fact, he's a one B in this in this argument. Uh-huh. He's not a two. He's a one B. Uh-huh. You cannot, in your right mind, ever, ever bet against Tom Brady. And specifically, heads up to a quarterback. He is just that good. He's just that good. He is Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. He's he Tom, Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, it's I mean, really hard this to argue would be his. Him. This is his seventh trip, right? Yeah. Yes. F- potentially five Super Bowls. One for the thumb. Yeah. One for the thumb. Yeah. And that, it's not like he's slowed down at all. It'd be one for the middle finger, actually, if you're really looking at it. <laughs> and how many does Matt Ryan have? <laughs> That's very good, Dangles. Not as Matt has. Not as many. I can't That's claim very true. For that, there's been a billboard up uh, in somewhere around Boston. It's a picture of a hand with the four Patriots rings on it, and the only one that doesn't have a ring is the middle finger. That's I very true. I can't take full credit for that. But That's uh, very true. I'm uh, I, as much as I want to fight for the MVP, Matt Ryan. I think this has this postseason and this season has been his coming out party. I think you need to start talking about him in the elite category, but. He's playing Tom Brady. Two interceptions. I, I think you have to give Tom Brady the advantage, and uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday if they get to Tom Brady, but they nobody's been able to get to either of these quarterbacks, and who knows what happens when mistakes are made. One fun, stack, fun stat about getting to the quarterback, Tom Brady has been sacked 15 times this year, Matt Ryan 37. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Good pick on that stat. Look I'm at here you. For you like my dad. Just not um, a pretty so face. to before we get to coordinators and coaches, we have uh, Brian and I are both leaning four to three on New England. Dangles is five to two for New England. Let's get to coordinators: Kyle Shanahan versus Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia. You can bring up who the defensive coordinator is for Atlanta as well. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but who has the better coordinators, aka the play callers, on the sideline this Sunday? Oof. That's tough because when you start thinking about what Shanahan's done this season, he's been amazing, incredible he's play been amazing. caller, and incredible. He will play be caller. the San Francisco head coach next year. This is his swan song in Atlanta. This is him going out. This is what Lane Kiffin would have done in the national championship game had he not pissed people off and be forced to leave. I think, in my honest opinion, I think Shanahan is going to get my pick for the offensive side of the ball, but I think uh, uh, Patricia is going to be the defensive guy. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that lands on the scale, if it's if it evens out. Um, if you were saying in total, the, the whole offensive um, staff, uh, offensive and defensive coordinators, my, my slight edge goes to the New England Patriots mm-hmm. on that because of the defensive coordinator. Edge goes to the Patriots for me as well. I think, again, it just comes down to the, the experience and the package of, of McDaniels and Patricia together uh, with Bill Belichick obviously uh, signing off on everything. I mean, there's just, to me, there's no argument there. Okay. The coaching staff on the New England side That's of things the is, the reason, is the, the reason that they win. Yeah. They, and, and again, and there's no question there either, and I think it'll be a very short conversation. Belichick versus Dan Quinn, come well, on. Yeah, you, can take my, think... you can take my pick right now. Belichick is a better head coach than Dan Quinn. This is all the Patriots to lose. Yeah. The Falcons have have to come in and prove that they deserve to be in the same building as the New England Patriots. And I say that more than just a fan. I say that as some, you know, as, as just a football watcher. They are the pinnacle of football excellence right now. And the Atlanta Falcons, if they want to win, just like the Giants did, not once but twice, have to come in and prove to the world that they deserve to be in that building with the Patriots. Can they do it? We'll see. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. I think the coordinator, I think Kyle Shanahan is the most brilliant mind on the field that day, even with Belichick. I think, I think Kyle I don't know Shanahan. How you can possibly say that. You're insane. I think Kyle Shanahan is an over uh, Belichick. But listen, I think Kyle Shanahan is an offensive savant, and I can't wait to see what they pull out to try and beat Belichick. Yeah, and Belichick Patricia's is defense. just a savant. Period. Um, um, uh, Football so, savant. Okay. Uh, the co- <laughs> so I'm giving the coordinator advantage to Atlanta, but as you said, the head coaching advantage. Dan Quinn, who has proven that he can be a head coach in the NFL, he's a very smart. Oh, he's man. great. He's taken this team from really good. where Mike Brown had them, where they were just underachieving schlubs, to now a uh, 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 stalwart 
team. This team should be good for the next few years if they keep everyone around. Dan Quinn's done an amazing job, but it's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick gets my advantage for head coach. Brian, he gets yours as well. Yep. Okay, so there it is. So we're all leaning towards, me and Brian are leaning towards advantages for New England. Dangles is a heavy advantage set to New England. Where are the picks going, guys? Patriots. Patriots are going to win this game. I think they win by at least 10 points. 10 points. Yeah, I think so. Um, because they're going to be they're going to be able to keep up uh, with with the Falcons. I think this is the first team that the Falcons have seen this off this during the playoffs that is going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, and and it's going to be tit for tat. And if the Falcons want to win, they have to make Tom Brady make mistakes. I think your dad brought up a great point in that the Patriots need to stay out on the field. And there's no one better in the NFL at at, at uh, field generaling a long drive that takes up a bunch of time off the clock than Tom Brady. So if he keeps the ball in his hand and that's going to be the game plan is hold on to the ball, move the ball slowly down the field, get into the end zone, and don't let the Atlanta offense have that much time to operate. I think the Patriots, it's it's their game to lose. Uh, the Falcons are going to have to play the football game of the entire season, yes. and yes. these players are going to have to play the football game of their careers yes. if the Falcons want to win this. So uh, I'm picking the Patriots by at least a touchdown, if not more. Brian. Nobody in this uh, booth will will disqualify the Falcons season, what they're capable of doing, oh, what no. they have done. But here's four stats, just really quick. Mm-hmm. That, that tells you everything mm-hmm. you need to know. The Falcons led the NFL in scoring with 33.8 points per game this season. Teams who led the NFL in scoring are 1-5 in, in the Super Bowl since 2007. Wow. The next one is that the 1989 49ers are the lone top-scoring offense to beat the lone top-scoring defense in the Super Bowl, which... Mm-hmm. Both the Falcons' offense are and the uh, is, and then the New England Patriots' defense is as well. Uh, next, the Patriots' D allowed under 20 points per game in all four Super Bowl uh, seasons. Uh, this year, they they allowed 15.6 points per game, and that ranks their second lowest total mm. in all in all the rest of those victories. And last, but definitely not least. The Falcons allowed 25.4 points per game this season, second most ever by Super Bowl winning team. Wow. Only the 2008 Cardinals allowed more. Wow. And your pick goes to the Yeah, New so England you just Patriots. threw a lot of numbers at me. What does that all mean? The point is, is that nothing sits in favor of the Falcons' high-flying offense mm. in the face of the Patriots' defense. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Defense wins Super Bowls, and the Patriots have it this year. Okay. Okay. So you guys are both on New England? Yes, sir. Oh, you're dirty birding it. He's doing, doing the, the dirty he's bird. Doing, he's doing the dirty bird. I'm doing the dirty bird, ladies and gentlemen. You can't see you're it because this is a podcast, but I'm doing the dirty bird. Are being a contrarian? Uh, no, I gen- I've been debating this left and right over and over and over again. And how do you pick against Tom Brady? How do you pick against Bill Belichick? How do you pick against the deflate gate mantra and wanting to stick that Lombardi trophy straight up Goodell's asshole? I would love to see it. I would love, love, love to see it. But this Atlanta team showed me something two weeks ago when they beat the Green Bay Packers. And the fa- the what you need to do to beat New England, to beat the Giant, to be the David that takes down the Goliath is you need to believe. I remember watching those games against uh, the Panthers against New England. I remember watching those games against the Eagles against New England. None of those teams. There were a few players that believed, but those teams did not believe. This Atlanta team is not scared of anybody, and that's the exact mindset that you need to take down Goliath. Do they do it? I don't know. I think it's going to be a very entertaining, very fun game, and I do not think it's going to be a double-digit score difference in no, this game. No, not at all. I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I think if Atlanta somehow, Matty Ice somehow has the ball on his fingertips at the end, I think they come down and win, and I think it's a lot like how New England won their first Super Bowl. 
in the fact that this New England team, everyone thought the Rams were going to beat New England. Everyone thought the Rams were going to beat New England. There was no chance New England, they're a good team, but they're young. They don't have the experience. Who is this new coach? Who is all this stuff? They can't do it. I think Atlanta uh, shocks the world. I think it's Atlanta's year with the TV show Atlanta on FX. I think it's Atlanta's year. I just think I believe in the Juju Bees. I'm going with the Falcons. I think it's going to be like a 38-35 game. I'm I'm reversing that. 38-35 New, New England. England. And that's what it is, guys. And thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, the left coasters around the world for listening to us ramble on and on about a sport that we truly love and enjoy talking about. And I thank you too for being here with me week after week, day after day figuring out how to do this and i'm excited to see what the future brings for us it was a successful first season and we just want to say thank you thank you to all those people who were with us from the beginning and the people we picked up along the way yes yeah. amazing and if you listened to any point this season if you like what we do if you if you found yourself listening to the podcast going yeah it's not, you know that's not a bad point at any point please go to itunes where you subscribe to the podcast leave us a review help us get noticed a little bit um we would love to add some more listeners for next season we've got a whole nother other team to cover uh, come next season. We got a lot of fun and stuff. And as Tony up. said, we'll come back. We'll talk about free agency. We'll talk about the draft sporadically. But um, but yeah, no, it's been fun. Thank you all for listening, and um, I'm looking forward to doing it again with you guys next season. And uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, I think we all need to say it together now. Rabbit. world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.